The following message is distributed by the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City. More information is available at our website, www.slcevfree.org. Full summer traveling. We'd leave the day school got out. We had a big travel trailer, hook it up to our van. They would be waiting for us to get off of the bus. We all jumped in the van and we traveled all over the country, seeing different things, going to different places, trying new things out. And it was, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed traveling a lot, learning new things. I also enjoyed doing regular camping with the tent, hiking, backpack, sleeping under the stars. I've gone rock climbing, skydiving, um, just done a lot of crazy things. I used to kind of enjoy that little bit of knowing that my life was somewhat in danger. Gave me a little bit of a rush. So it was funny because a, uh, a few summers, a few Christmases ago, I have a younger sister and an older sister. My younger sister gave me this book. If you haven't read it, it's a lot of fun. It's called The Worst Case Scenario, um, which I, some of my favorites are How to Crash Land a Plane on Water, How to Foil a UFO Abduction. You never know when you might need that one. Waiting for this one, especially since now we live by the big mountains. How to escape from a car that is hanging over a cliff. One of my personal favorites, almost had to do this once. How to cross a piranha-infested river. So after reading this book, I feel that I'm pretty well set for any challenge or... uh, thing that might come up in my life, whether I'm prepared for it or not. I've read the book. I'm ready for it. Uh, One thing that I did not find in here was how to give a sermon when the pastor says he's going away. (laughs) I read through it again just to be sure it wasn't in here. Um, I like to say that I have expertise, but it's just a made-up term that I use for saying that I hang out with teenagers a lot. Um, How many of you have teenagers? How many of you will have teenagers? I will in a few years. How many of you are happy that you don't have teenagers anymore? (laughs) I work to to try to understand them, to, to try to help relate the gospel to them, show them how Christ is relevant in their life. And uh, so today, I'm going to focus on a a teenager in the Bible. It's one that we usually only talk about around this time of the year. Um, It was kind of funny. I think it was last Christmas. My wife and I took our two oldest, Elise, who was four at the time, and Isaiah was two and a half, and her her younger brother, who was nine. We went and saw the movie The Nativity. Did any of you guys see that movie? In the very beginning, there's these girls, and they're in the field, and they're planting seeds, and the guys are, I'm not a farmer, they're doing stuff with dirt. <laughs> uh, I knew the seeds because they were throwing it onto the ground. But uh, it was funny because they're calling the one girl Mary, and Leah, my wife, her younger brother, leans over to me and goes, why are they calling that kid Mary? And I said, that's because that's Mary. But she's not much older than I am. And I said, that's right. Mary's about 14 years old when we first meet her in the Bible. So I figured, hey, around Christmas, let's talk about a teenager. I kind of know them. 
Mary. We talk about her a lot, only around this time. So we're going to focus on Mary. And I think she was faced with four challenges that put her faith to the test. And I think these four challenges are things that challenge our own faith. So let's pray and we'll start. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you again for this day. I thank you for the time that we have to come here, Lord, to study your word, to be challenged. Lord, I know oftentimes when we read the Bible, we kind of romanticize or even fantasize about the biblical narrative, and we kind of take the fact that it is factual and change it up a little bit and kind of view it just as little stories that we hear as kids or, or different things like that, Lord. And I just pray that some of what happens today is that people's eyes will be open to what truly happened when you sent your son to this earth, Lord. And I just pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll open up your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 1. It's um, a passage that I'm sure many of you guys have read many, many times ago. We're going to start in Luke chapter 1, verse 28, going to 38. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his word and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him a throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She, who was said to be barren, is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. We all know this story. We hear it every year. I remember, I can't remember a time where I didn't hear this story. I have most of that passage memorized because when I was a kid, I stood up on the stage and said those things, you know, played the angel with the cardboard wings. It's just something that's so automatic. I almost don't even think about it when I read through it. I get to this passage, oh, I know how this happens. Let's skip to the end. Let's see what happens. But this is not a common story to Mary. Obviously, the angel shows up and she's like, whoa. I love that. Every time angels show up, everybody's like. And she's like, how can this be? This is not common. This doesn't make sense to me. And I think that is a cool passage because God is coming to a normal person, an ordinary girl in an ordinary place at an ordinary time, and he says, I want you to come with me because something amazing is going to happen and I want you to help me with it. She is taking part in the beginning steps of God's redemption plan for all of mankind. She is going to help to fulfill many of the Old Testament prophecies. And again, this is all happening 
with a plain, ordinary 14-year-old girl. And right here, I think, is where the first challenge happens. It's the unexpected. Her faith is challenged by the unexpected. It came out of nowhere. God's inviting her on this adventure. God's calling her to do what seemed impossible. Right? The angel tells her what's going to happen, and what she say? How can this be? I'm a virgin. Now, you're an angel. I think you know how this works out, and that's not supposed to happen this way. He's calling her to do what seems impossible. I love verse 38, and I think Kim put it on the cover of your bulletin, where it says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you've said. That's her answer after hearing this seemingly impossible thing. That is Mary's answer. How do you respond to the unexpected? What's God calling you to do right now? How do you respond? I think of what Mary must have been thinking when Gabriel left. Gabriel leaves. She heard all this, this, this announcement of this amazing thing that's going to happen to her. And I just, what was she thinking? What about her family? What would they say? Now, I have a daughter, she's only five, but I'm thinking down the road, okay, let's see, Elise, let's picture her 14. She comes home, she's like, hey, Dad, guess what? This angel showed up, and he told me that I'm going to give birth to a baby. Now, after maybe a few blocks of walking and coming in, I hope I could sit down and say, you know what, I can understand the fact that you might be pregnant, but you're bringing in an angel, you're talking crazy now. And then thinking of some of the other emotions she's going through. Okay, mom and dad might disown me. But yet I'm excited because I know that the Messiah is going to be my son. But what else? She also has Joseph to think about. She was legally married to him, even though they were engaged. Engagement for that that time period in, in the Jewish culture lasted about a year. But you were considered married in all legal ways. So Joseph could put her out, say, I don't want to marry you anymore. And because she was legally married, she could also then be stoned because she was pregnant and was not married. So she could then be stoned by her community. So there was a lot for Mary to worry about. She could lose her fiancé. She could lose her family. She could lose her reputation. She could even lose her life. But what is her answer? I'm the Lord's servant. So when unexpected things come up in your life, What's your response? We know Mary's. And I think after that initial step of faith, of saying, I'm not sure how this is going to work out, but I'm going to take this step. And that gives us to our second challenge that I think Mary's faith shows us, and that's the challenge of the unknown. She didn't know how it was going to happen. She didn't know how it was going to work out. But I think a great thing that Mary is an awesome example of Look down just a few more verses in chapter 1 of Luke, verse 46. It's called Mary's Song. It's the little title in my, my Bible. And it says, Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of a humble state of his servant. For now on, all generations will call me blessed, 
for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary didn't worry. She worshipped. Sometimes when God is the center of our life, life gets more confusing. But if we don't worship, we tend to worry. Let that sink in. If you don't worship, you tend to worry. Sometimes I worry, and my wife has to say, what are you worrying about? It's not even in your control. There's nothing you can do about it. So when God puts some unknown thing, some unexpected challenge, where you don't know how it's all going to work out, what is your initial reaction? Is it to worship or to worry? So let's go on a little further in the story. Mary sings her song, which kind of after seeing that poeticness, it makes me understand why Jesus spoke the way he did. If that's his mom's regular way of talking, okay, I understand now, Jesus, why you talk that way. But so Mary decides she's going to do this. She's going to keep the faith. She's going to stay as the servant of God. So she journeys down with Joseph to Bethlehem. Have any of you guys seen a picture of a Christmas card at the manger scene recently? I got one of these a couple weeks ago. They were giving them out as, as they had candy and stuff in it and cookies. They were giving them out a couple weeks ago. I put a couple pictures up of the manger scene. I like that one. There's the light shines. There happens to be a window right where Jesus is. And Jesus, you know, he's an infant and he's already blessing Mary. I think that's kind of interesting. Um, and a lot of them, like in this little one, that I, this bag here that I have, they didn't need a nightlight because baby Jesus glowed. Um, but again, I was thinking of that, the, the nativity story, the movie, or some of the, the, the cards that I get with the nativity. Everybody's lined up in height order. And all the sheep are here. There's always the one shepherd that has one on the shoulder. The wise men are, you know, there's the tall guy, the short guy, and then the guy on his knee. The camels are chilling out over here on the side. It's perfect. It's clean. And then a couple weeks ago, we sang that song, Away in the Manger. And that second verse always gets to me. It says, the cattle are lowing, poor baby wakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I have not met a baby that does not cry. I have four children. I'm waiting for the baby that does not cry. I, I, I just, I don't get, I don't think that those pictures up here, you know, on my little bag here of goodies, I don't think that's a very accurate depiction of the manger scene. I've been with my wife and watched her give birth. And we had doctors, we had medicine, we had all these things. You think these images are an accurate depiction of a 14-year-old giving birth for the first time with no doctor, no midwife, no mom to help her. Joseph's just there like, let me find some hay. Let me do this. It's, it's all you. 
just, I'm ready. It's not really what I think is going to be happening. And I think a lot of times we kind of fantasize about this, 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 this scene, this manger scene. Tradition kind of takes away the blood. It takes away the dirt. It takes away the smell. Like I said, there was that window and the light was shining through. Most likely, the manger was a cave. And whether there was animals there or not, we're not sure. And like I said, I'm not a farmer, but I've been to some barns. And I've been to barns that haven't had animals in a while, and they still smell. It's still dirty. There are still bugs. And I'm sure as this is going on and Joseph's trying to find a place for them to stay, Mary's sitting there feeling the labor pains, and she's like, are you sure this is how you want this to go, God? I showed faith. I put aside my own pride to do what you want and what you've asked me to do. And you're going to have me give birth in this place. Are you sure about this, God? I think here kind of shows the unknownness of sometimes when God asks us to do things. He asks you to do something. He doesn't say, these are all the things you need to know to do it. He says, just do what I ask you to do. Oftentimes, when we're trying to do those things he asks us to do and he's not doing them the way that we want, we're like, ah, oh, this can't be of God. This isn't how God works. And I think right there is the third challenge. God doesn't always work in familiar ways. It would really be great if he did. You know, if God could send me an email and say, this is how I'm going to do it. Be ready. That's not how God works. We kind of picture God working in two ways. The first way is lightning bolts. Boom, it happens. The other way that I picture God working is the way that I want him to do it. God would really be great if it could happen this way. But that's not how God works. That's not how God works. And I think the manger scene is a perfect example of that. Even looking down later on in Christ's life, I think is a great example of God doesn't use familiar ways. First, born of a virgin. That's not familiar. You'd be preceded by a messenger, a cousin, distant relative. He'd perform miracles. That's not normal. He'd preach the good news. He'd be anointed by the Holy Spirit. He'd enter Jerusalem on a donkey. He'd be rejected by the people he came to save. He'd be accused by false witnesses. The Savior of the world would be beaten and have his hands and feet pierced. He'd cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He'd be executed between thieves. He'd basically be cut down in his prime. He's a young man. Sometimes when you read this passage and you get to that point where he's hanging on the cross, you're just like, what are you doing, God? That doesn't make much sense to me. And then again, I think back to Mary. It, it, it must have been a pretty incredible honor to know that your son is going to be the Messiah. And just as Mary you know, celebrated what we now call Christmas, the birth of Jesus, that same thing must have brought her tons of pain 
and tons of sorrow. Because just as she celebrated Christmas later on, she ends up going from a dirty manger to the foot of what was the top of modern day execution at that time. And again, she had to be thinking, God, this does not make any sense why you're working this way. And then I was talking in the office. I'm not sure if Kim got in on this conversation, but we're talking with Pastor Steve. When Mary was waiting in between the manger and the cross, what was she thinking? Like, when's it going to happen? When's he going to, you know, be the Messiah? When's this going to happen? I've got to wait 33 years before he even starts? Did she get a glimpse of that when, when they went to the temple and they were leaving and Mary looks to Joseph, hey, you've seen Jesus? No, I haven't seen Jesus. Let's go check with the family. And they're running around and all of a sudden Jesus is missing and they go back to the temple and Jesus is sitting there with the teachers. And he says, Mom, didn't you know I would be in my father's house? I can think of that. That was maybe the one glimpse in the Bible that we know of where Mary's like, thank you for reminding me, God. I think the fourth challenge to our faith is a lot of times our faith seems unfulfilled. Again, that question when I sit and think of Mary, did she say, when is it going to happen? All right, he's 12 now. Is it going to happen? He's 20 now. Is it going to happen? Even at the foot of the cross, there is her son's dying. Is it going to happen now? They take him down. They put him in a tomb. Is it going to happen now? The amazing thing is, Christ rose again. And he ascended to heaven. Right now, he sits at the right hand of the Father. But you know what? Mary's faith still hasn't been fully fulfilled. Because the Messiah is supposed to be ruling the world. And I'm not sure if you've looked around recently. It does not look like my Savior is the one ruling this world. So Mary's passed away. But Mary stood firm on the promise that God gave her. Mary's faith will fully be fulfilled when Christ returns to rule over all of this. Rule over everything. So my final questions to you is, how is your faith being challenged? How will you respond to those challenges? Will you have faith like Mary and answer the angel, I'm the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you've said? Or maybe you're more like one of her relatives, Zechariah, when the angel came and told him that his wife would be found with child. His response was, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife's getting up there in the years too. So how is your faith being challenged? Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus,
sometimes you ask us to do things that, that are easy. They're simple. And sometimes, Lord, you ask us to do things that require us to lean on the only thing that we can be sure of, and that is you. Lord, we grow through refining fires. We grow through being challenged. Lord, help us to respond like Mary did, calling ourselves servants ready to do your will, singing praises and and worshiping you when everything else doesn't make any sense. Lord, I know that you've called us all to something. Help us to respond in ways that are pleasing to you. Lord, I just lift these things up to you again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message recorded at the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City in Salt Lake City, Utah. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. We invite you to visit our website at www.slcevfree.org or call us directly at area code 801-943-0091. Our mailing address is Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City, 6515 South Lion Lane, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84121.